Welcome to this very special episode of the Wonders of Thedas podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I'm Jessica. And today with us, we have a very special guest, the one Super and only special. Jack Norris from Green Ronin. Hello. Welcome hey, to the man. show. Thanks so much for coming to talk with us. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, we have, we've been looking forward to this for a long time. It's cool to have somebody from Green Ronin on the show talking to us about, about Green Ronin games. It's We have a lot of fun with them. So it's a, this is a very gratifying moment. So thank you for coming on for the fourth time. <laughs> well, and again, you're, you're most welcome. <laughs> so uh, we're, let's see, we're going to go ahead and start talking to our, our, our new friend, Jack Norris. <laughs> <laughs> Look at <Welcome>. you. <laughs> this is exciting. Um, so I guess we can start with, uh, let's meet our special guest, uh, Jack Norris. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, all right. Uh, my name is Jack Norris. I am a game designer and writer. Uh, I've been working in the uh, gaming industry for now about uh, coming up on 21 years. And uh, yeah, I started in 1997 with a game uh, called uh, Noir, which was like a film noir role-playing game. Um, and then uh, kind of uh, took some time off to uh, go to law school and became a lawyer and did that for a while and uh, still do that sometimes. Um but I split my time between that and working as a game designer. And nice. I um, currently, I've been working for Green Run for a while now. I um, am their Dragon Age and Fantasy Age system developer. Uh, developer. I also have worked on a lot of their other lines, uh, including some Masterminds, DC Adventures, uh, Blue Rose, and some other stuff, uh, including some stuff we'll probably be talking about today, I think, a little bit, because it connects to Dragon Age and, and, mm -hmm. and Age, the adventure gaming en engine, which... Uh, Dragon Age uses. Um, let's see what else. I also have my own uh, Wuja Kung Fu action game using the Fate System Tian Sha, Ooh. which I put out through Vigilance Press. Uh, I am also currently the developer for the John Carter of Mars role-playing game through Modiphius Entertainment. Damn. And um, I'm also, I've got a couple other projects. I've done a lot of freelancing for a lot of different companies, um, uh, including Onyx Path, uh, Margaret Weiss Productions, um, and probably a bunch of people that I'm not, uh, I'm not even remembering. I just wrapped up a short project for Eloy Lasanta over at Third Eye Games for his part-time God Second Edition. So I'm a, I'm pretty busy. So gotcha. yeah, so, like so what you're saying is pretty much anything that we super love is got a really solid <laughs> of having your name on it. Is what you're trying to do. There, there is definitely a not zero chance that I that I worked on it or know or know someone who worked on it or you know. In, 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 you know, in some cases, consulted on it or at least have some insider information. It's actually uh, kind of amusing to have meetings and you'll be talking to somebody about something exciting and then they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know so-and-so. And we talked about that, like, you know, last week. Oh, yeah, um, I wrote that. Excuse yeah, I'm, I'm, me? I'm, I've also been – like, like just recently I've been talking to Alan Barr over at Gallant, uh, Gallant Night Game. And we've been talking about new projects and stuff, but none of that has come out yet. And so, you know, that's a whole other line of stuff I'm working on um, potentially, you know, going forward. And so there's always, you know, it's kind of the the, the life of the, the freelance slash part-time developer who also does freelancing in other companies because you're always kind of chasing new projects and, you know, and, you know, fiction and whatever. Like I did a short story for uh, an upcoming anthology for Eddie Wetz Puckmeyer, the, his sort of adorable fantasy dog game and so you know just kind of just a bunch of stuff and i and i try to do and i always try to do things in a lot of different genres like i actually there are there really aren't any genres i don't like so i'm always trying to kind of cool. if, so usually if someone comes up to me and says do you want to do something in in this in this genre you've never worked in before i'm usually least willing to throw myself in there a little bit so all right all right i think it's a good way to be Especially yeah. because you never know what kind of experiences you're going to get out of stuff like that. So, and I've definitely worked on things where I'm like, you know, like I uh, the like Onyx Path just re, re kickstarted its Trinity Continuum, 
and uh, they wanted to make a sort of for their core book, they wanted to make sort of a modern adventure setting, uh, something sort of a more akin to sort of like modern TV, like action TV shows and things like that. And they asked me if I wanted to work on it. And so I created several of the groups uh, that the characters can join and some of the history and stuff in the world. And that was just a freelance project, you know, it came across my desk and then, you know, somebody asked me if I was interested and I was like, yeah, definitely. Um, so it, it involves, you know, I, and I think there, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, folks in the industry, especially one those of us who've been around for a while, who you know, when you actually sort of dive into what we've all done, it's your, your, you know, you you forget. It's like it's like uh, Steve Kenson, who I work with over at Green Ronin. You know, he's done so many things, and I half the time I he will be talking about something, he'll be like, "Oh yeah, I worked on that." And I'll be like, "Oh my god, I didn't either. I didn't know, or I <laughs> or I'd forgotten." Like at one point he was talking about it, like, "Oh, I wrote the you know that Shadowrun novel I wrote," and I'm like, "Oh, that's right, I completely forgot you wrote Shadowrun." Oh, man. Until like he had mentioned it because it'd been years ago, and you know we've all slept since then. So <laughs> just this incredible nexus of talent <laughs> whirling around us at all times. That does seem to be how it works. Like everyone I meet who's from the industry just seems to be a really talented, and b they all seem to know each other. Uh huh. It, so. it is. A, it is definitely, and especially depending on where you are. Like for example, Green Run, and I'm the one of the few people who doesn't live out in the Seattle region. And I'm I'm Chicago based and there's a lot of Chicago game designers and stuff, but they don't, you know, work for necessarily work for Green Roman, at least not Mm -hmm. directly. And uh, so when I go out there, it's always like all these people that used to work for Wizards of the Coast or some other Seattle company out there and they Mm -hmm. all know each other. And then I'm over here going, I'm always meeting people that like I didn't know who I find out had been working in the industry for 10, 15 years. And it just, they worked in a different corner. so it's it it is definitely there and there's a lot of people doing it and there's you know and and a lot of the older folks are still around but then of course there's always new people Mm -hmm. and every time there's every time there's a new you know push for projects and stuff i mean like every i i and a lot of us try to get new people involved if we can as well like Mm -hmm. i've had a couple i've been lucky to have a couple really great newer newer writers i've gotten a chance to work with over the years and uh and fact, actually the last the 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 most recent uh dragon age book that we're currently uh putting the final touches and post-production on a lot of the some of uh several of the folks in that that was their first book very cool and they did a really great job. So yeah. Well, very cool. So it sounds like it's not very hard to touch all the corners of this of this industry, but meet some really cool people along the way. Oh yeah. Tell you, it makes me wish I lived in Seattle sometimes, though, because uh, <laughs> one of my oldest and dearest friends actually just got a job with Paizo as a software developer, and uh, it really it just sounds like such a like all of these different uh, companies. Everybody there sounds super nice, like all the time. Yeah. Just gamers are cool people. Uh, Owen, Owen Stevens, who and uh, Crystal Fraser both work over there and also work for Green Room. Yes, and they're both just wonderful folks. Oh, yeah. uh, Owen is Owen, and I know a little better than Crystal because Crystal's a little more of a recent hire, and Owen's just a complete sweetheart. Yeah, we and and Crystal. We got to talk to Crystal a little bit at Gen Con this year, and she is just a delight. So she's great. No, I, I, I've just, this is my first year sort of really meeting and interacting with her, and she's just great. So, she wrote one of our favorite uh, Pathfinder adventures, The Divinity Drive. She did. She's oh, just, cool. all of you guys are super talented. We'll probably end up coming back to that a few times. So, so when you, just out of curiosity, where are you guys located? Oh, we're in Bloomington, Indiana, actually. We're, uh, we're maybe five or six hours away from where you are. So, we're down by oh, IU. Okay. I went to I went to. Oh Iris. yeah, actually, That's you right. know, you know a friend of ours. You know Daniel. Daniel McDevitt. Yep. yep, yep. I know Daniel well. Daniel and I have known each other for many, many a year. We have um, aimed with him all the time. He is one of our good yeah. buds. We love it. We love Daniel. You know, uh, you know Brian Roberts as well. I think I What's know the name? the name. Brian Roberts. He's a mutual friend of Daniel's and I. Okay. And I just a lot of. Back in the back in the day when we all knew each other, they were they they would hang out a lot okay. together, and so it would be one of those things where if we knew one of them, there was a good chance you knew the other. <laughs> I <laughs> we, might know Brian Roberts. We, we, the name certainly there, sounds familiar, actually. Um, so he's like, he's like he's like almost seven feet tall. So okay. if you so if you met this guy, he's like six nine, six ten. Okay, like I think this is a different that, Brian. Yeah, um, but no, uh, we uh, yeah, I went to I went to both to law school and undergrad down in Bloomington. Awesome. So uh, I I know that area very very well. I spent I spent 
only I've only lived in Chicago longer than I've lived anywhere else except for Bloomington. So I've spent more time in Chicago than I have in Bloomington. But other than that, I've spent more time in Bloomington than I have pretty much anywhere, it is, except for maybe like growing up in Iowa. But of course, a lot of that, I was young enough that I don't remember a lot of that. That's so fair. it's hard to be like. You know. Yeah, we love Bloomington. Mm-hmm. The only downside to Bloomington is that it's not, you know, a hub of game creators. Well, that, that in your, that so in, that in your you can't just break into the industry. That and your allergies will try to kill you at least once or twice. <laughs> Oh, we are in the middle of that, my good yeah. sir. We are absolutely all the flowers are out now. Oh yeah, it, it, that that valley you get down there—it's just it really just turns the whole thing into a, you know, I, it's hilarious. When I when I moved away, my my algae started clearing up quite a bit, and I didn't realize at the time like how much of it was, you know, the area. And it's a great area. I love it, but it's definitely like you know, I, I remember had a uh, professor who um, would actually tell me that he would during the summers he would actually take trips and one of the reasons he, he did it, he's like i love Bloomington, but i yeah i'm so much better and healthy it's trying to kill like if i get out of here three months <laughs> if i get here out of here three months out of a year i'm healthier and happier and i'm like that's legit but um yeah but it's actually funny there's a number of people there are actually a number of people that are like sort of worked at iu and stuff like uh or or were involved a lot of the old uh like sort of larp community and things like that um from back in the 90s not all of them, but a lot of them did actually end up going um, and uh, working. For example, um, do you know the movie The Room? The one, the, the I love The Room. Okay, you know, I love The Room so much. Do you know Peter from The Room, the original Peter? Yes. Kyle Voigt. Uh, I used to game with Kyle, and so did Daniel. And we we've known Kyle. Kyle, Kyle Kyle's a friend of mine. I've known him for years. And, oh my god! So when I when I heard he was in this, I was like, "What?" I mean, I knew he was out there. I knew he was acting out in L.A. But then I heard about this movie, and I was like, "What?" If it's supposed to be terrible, and you know, of course, then you're like, "Well, I don't want to tell Kyle his movie is terrible." And he's like, "No, no, it's terrible." I'm like, okay, good. Then, um, but, no, but yeah, no, it's and it's funny, and it, and it is funny how all these things interact because you know that's an example of one of my little, you know, I don't know how many degrees from Kevin Bacon that puts me. But it, um, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it gets me down to like two because I'm I'm not. Oh my you know. gosh, my mouth is kind of frozen open in glee right now. I'm not gonna lie, that is amazing. But no, it's I I know, and then my my friend Mike Underwood is a is a novelist who worked for he's had some novels published. He did the Geekomancy series and some other things. Uh, so we have just you know it, it is, and so there actually is a a group of folks that were in Bloomington at least at one point who have now kind of so have kind of gone out and sort of are out there somewhere. So, you know, you're right. The, the, the city itself is not necessarily like this hub of sort of, you know, of geekdom and such in regards to like currently actively having game companies and things like that. But mm-hmm. there, but being one of the largest liberal arts colleges in the country, I think you get, there's a lot of folks who, while they were in college or around that time, maybe shortly afterwards or grad school, if they were also involved in games, they, oh, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll get that. I mean, that's like, you know, I mean, like, I never had one class with Daniel, but we were in school together, you know, but we would meet at like, you know, we meet at like gaming events and things like that. And, oh, yeah. So, but no, so yeah, so it's, I, I thought you guys might be down in Bloomington and I was like, oh, that's cool. Cause yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I mean, I know that area quite well. My mom and my mom still lives in Indianapolis. So, you know, I, gotcha. I occasionally try to make it down there though. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's funny how that extra 45 minute drive doesn't seem like that long until you want to, until like, you realize, oh, right. That's like one of the most boring drives in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and also you got to take 37 if you're coming from Indianapolis yeah. and that is just a hot mess right now. Oh, really? And it, I, I just remember that it's bo- it's boring and, and vaguely creepy at the same time. So that's the... It, uh, it is both of those. When you pass through Martinsville, that, that, that definitely happens. Yeah, just going to leave Martinsville right where it is. Yeah, try to, try to leave. Uh, for folks who are listening who don't know what Martinsville is, Martinsville is a, a small town in Indiana that in the 1920s was one of the major hubs of the Ku Klux Klan. And it hasn't gotten a whole lot better. Um, not. There have been there are some wonderful wonderful youth in Martinsville yes. who yes, are working are. to change things, and I know that because yeah. I taught in that area. But there are still definitely some problematic ideologies that exactly. that need to continue to be combated, and there are people trying to combat them. So and to their know, credit, that exists. And there is something to be said. You know, I grew up. I, I grew up uh, moving all over the place, but for a while there, I lived in a small town that had a high uh, sort of white supremacist presence and i would say that probably without having to confront that 
you know, head on, I might not have been as like vehemently against it. You know, if I had been able to sort of sit sit over here and say, well, that's, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. That's not a thing we have to worry about. And, you know, when you, but when you realize, you know, the guy you're sitting in front of in class is, you know, his family's in the clan and they're like, you know, talking about how, what they're, what they're going to do to the black folks who, you know, want to, you know, get up in there or whatever. You're sitting there going, okay, well, I can't not confront this. I can't deal with this. So there, I find the small town America, America, you know, there's the two sides of it. There, there are a lot of problems, but then there are a lot of the people who end up, kind of stepping up and saying no more. Absolutely. I think you and I have had a couple of similar experiences. And it's, which is, which is, you know, it's, 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 it's terrible that that stuff exists, but it's great that there are people out there everywhere trying to stop it. Yep. Um, because Nazis, Nazis should get nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very vehement about this. This has become sort of a weird, a weird catchphrase of mine, which is Nazis get nothing. Like if they want something, you deny it. You know, if they want to claim a video game or a haircut or a movie or a beverage, just no, they don't get it because they're Nazis. They don't deserve to have anything. And I, I think that's fair. They kind of lost their privilege a while ago. Yeah. We're, exactly. uh, we're we're pretty well known for having very similar opinions as regards things mm-hmm. that take away yeah. other people's happiness I mean, and their freedom. I mean, I'll, I'll freely admit it. If if there was a realistic way, and I'm not sure there is, to give the you know the swastika as a symbol back to the Buddhists, I'd be all for it. Um, you know, that's I, true. But, but that's the one I'm not sure that they're. That may not be be, doing. be a little but, late for that. But 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 I that's my general attitude about it. It's like you know, you should, you, that's when people are always like, oh, you know, the Nazis, you have this, you know, want this, you know, trying to claim Norse mythology. I'm like, nope. It's like my I can trace my ancestors back to the Vikings. They don't get that. Yeah, one of our very dear friends is actually a practicing uh, worshiper, Asatru. Oh, he, cool. he is also very very upset by the fact that that's being co opted by a group that he very much disagrees with, as he is very very gay. I am a I'm an old school punk rocker too, and I remember back in the day with the uh, the, the, the non Nazi skinheads, and they would be very much you know they'd be like these these nazis are trying to take our culture they're trying to be the skinheads it's like no no that's a whole because it was it was all about sort of like uh you know straight edge culture and a bunch of other stuff i was number one myself but i had friends who were and you know everybody's like oh skinheads are nazis i'm like no there are nazi skinheads and then there are actually other skinheads who are not nazis and in fact they're usually the ones if you hear about you know a fight broke out at a punk show between you know nazi skinheads and somebody else it was probably the other other skinheads in many cases um and it's just it's but but yeah it's and it, it is i mean it is uh, it, and I, I think that and sadly this stuff has all become more relevant again you know it kind of comes around this cycle of, of oh look it's oh look the nazis and white supremacy are back but uh but but anyway this is a dragon age podcast about <laughs> so this is podcast. gonna be dragon age i think eventually and, and well yes and while i and while i do probably insert you know my politics and easter eggs and everything and a lot of stuff i write i probably uh, we should probably talk about dragons and uh and and to be to be fair i do appreciate your politics and i think (laughs) end up being surprisingly uh appropriate for a setting like dragon age so i literally kind of walk around with my own personal little uh metaphorical soapbox so i am always ready to do exactly that and get washed up, washed away in a conversation about other people's rights. And, right. But uh, probably do the Dragon Age bit first. Yes, definitely. So, um, I guess, how much of Dragon Age do you work on slash have you worked on before? Um, so I came into the project to help wrap up uh, the third box set. Okay. And I, have been de- and I have been developer since then. So okay. um, I did not start the third box set, but I have finished the third box set. And then I have worked on um, the uh, the core book. Putting the core book together was was my first big sort of project. Uh, Faces mm-hmm. of Thetis. Um, while that's been going on, I've also been doing Fantasy Age as well. And mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't do Titan's Grave directly, but I did and was involved in it. Um, okay. But that was uh, uh, since Chris Pramus is really good friends with Will Wheaton. And uh, he, he was more directly involved. I was sort of that sort of 11th hour support when they would be like, hey, we have to get something done because we're filming tomorrow. Can you help me with this? You know, and so gotcha. I, I did that sort of thing, which I which I've done a lot for a lot of projects over the years. And so I'm actually pretty comfortable being that sort of, you know, crisis management person. Um, hey, you know, you got to have somebody who can come through in the clutch. And if you are that yeah. person, then, you know, I you're mean, kind it's, of a and hero. It's something that, you know, the only uh, my only ever, you know thing with it it's not the only thing i want to do and so i love that's the other thing i like being a developer because i also can sort of 
put off the crisis and try to get things, you know, done as much as possible, which doesn't always work as well as we'd hope. But uh, especially with with Dragon Age, because in addition to all of our, you know, all the things that can go wrong on our end with delays and things like that, there's also, of course, Bioware has to approve everything. And it's Mm -hmm. wonderful that they approve everything. And and so it it gives it this sort of official character to everything. But, you know, Mm -hmm. but these guys are real busy. And, you know, and they have always been oh, yeah. very busy and they've always been wonderful and very cool and, and just, you know, um, just great to talk to and deal with. But at the same time, they've always they've always been very busy. And so there's always this, you know, you'll you, sometimes you'll contact them. I'll be like, we're in the middle of a big push. And, you know, we're all working 60, 70, 80 hours a week on this, you know, to get this new DLC, to get this new DLC out or to get this. You know, I remember when Inquis- Inquisition, when Inquisition yeah. was running, we were trying to get some stuff for the core book and we were trying to see if we could put some new content in from inquisition and what we found mm-hmm. was that you know the best thing I, I was able to sneak in a couple new specializations and a few other things like that yes. but I, it got to the point where i was like we're gonna it's gonna take so long because they are in the middle of their crunch and so we had to make a decision of like can we add a few oh, things because yeah. i originally wanted to put like giants in and a bunch of you know, all the stuff that we'd seen in inquisition but then i also but the, and then also they were a little concerned and i actually think this is fair um they were like well we don't want anything to come out that'll spoil the game and because that the game had not fair. come out yet and when we were working it together working together on it, they were concerned and i i think we probably you know we might have been able to work something out but i think at the end of the day we kind of talked about it and i said you know well, we're going to want to roll this out as soon as it's ready because people have been wanting it. And you know, and if you guys have yeah, a delay, yeah. which sometimes happens in, in video games, um, we oh, sure. would have to wait. And that might be, you know, what if we what mm-hmm. if we waited until like what if it got delayed until after Christmas and then we missed our Christmas sales? You know, and for and for, and for yeah, a game a company for a, for a tabletop game company even more so than a video game company, you know, the, the margins are really slim. Mm-hmm. And nobody's, people are doing this job because they love it and people get paid, but it's not a, it's not a, you know, nobody's making, you know, movie star money. And so as a result, as a result, sure. you know, we're, you know, there's always that concern. And, you know, that's, so, so there's, all, there's that eternal balancing act of what you want to do versus what you can afford to do. And by afford, not just money, but also time and, you know, also other people's time. Because, and that's, and that's the thing that's the thing with Absolutely. Dragon Age is that there's always, you know, you always have to go to Bioware and say, hey, I need you to look at this or I need this information from you. Like, I can't actually, like, I don't know this because it hasn't been released yet. <laughs> Fair mm-hmm. enough. So, yeah, that's, uh, that is uh, just going to be a, a fight and an uphill battle forever. But it's but, not, you know, unique. every single, I've worked on a lot of licensed games, yes. you know, all different licensors have different ways they want to go about it. Different people provide, you know, different levels of support. Um, and I, and I'm not even, I'm not even, you know, saying that as a slam to any one particular licensor. I mean, a lot of times the ones who provide less support usually also give you more freedom. And so, you know, it, it kind of comes and goes like, uh, and, and sometimes you get, you know, enthusiasm and support from the most surprising places. Like I remember when I worked on the Smallville RPG, and I needed some information about the tenth season of Smallville, and you would think, "Oh, they're a move, they're a TV studio. They're not going to care about this little role playing game, whatever." And I got like advanced scripts and concept. Wow! I, I got, oh you God. know, I knew what was going to happen in the tenth season before anybody else did because I needed it to write something. And you know, they were just fantastic. And you know, I was thinking, really, you know, I mean, I, I just assumed that they'd be like, "Yeah, whatever, get away, you know, get away, kid, you bother us." And, um, but then, you know, by by contrast, I've I've seen, you know, licenses where like, yeah, that's not as long as it's good. We're we're cool with it, you know, but we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, we we need to approve it, but you know, we're going to be okay. I mean, uh, the John Carter of Mars uh, uh, has been interesting because they were very concerned that we knew what we were doing. And once we showed we knew what we were doing and were willing to work with a expert on, on John Carter and Edgar Rice Burroughs that they liked, then they became, they were kind of like, well, that's what they wanted. They just wanted to know that things were in good hands. And so that's become, okay. so, so every every license experience is different. And I'd say BioWare kind of falls yeah. in the middle of that, where they give us a lot of leeway to do things, but they're, they will occasionally come back and, you know, no, you have to do it this way. And I pretty much always agree with what they want to do. Like, you know, especially with regards to, you know, they've, tr- they've improved over time. They've tried to become more inclusive and they've revised their original views 
views on things. And so sometimes they'd come back and say, hey, you know what? We originally had that in its backstory. We're actually trying to move away from that. So so could you take this and could you soften this and maybe shift more towards this? Because that's what we're going to be doing going forward. And it's a great sort of cooperative experience, but it also means that, you know, and it's it's, it's not even also not even like a social issue. Sometimes it can be as simple as, you know, we've discovered that this particular approach to this mechanic or this concept is limiting some things we want to do game design wise. So we're going to change okay. how this works. So don't mention that as, you know, as, as definitively try to be a little more uh, open. Um, a great example of that would be the Avar. Uh, you know, the, when the Avar were tribesmen in the in Dragon Age Origins that you heard about and read about in little, you know, bits, they weren't, um, you know, they weren't, that big of a deal. You know, people weren't really that concerned. Bioware weren't concerned that much about what you did with it. And they also, you know, they didn't have a lot of information. And then when they were going to do it, now we've got the Jaws of Hacking DLC. And and so then, of course, now it's a whole culture and it's, you know, and it became very important and it was really interesting to work on that. But it also meant that, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, doing your putting the Avar into an adventure, you have to be like, hold on a second. You know, is this, what, what, what information are you working with? Is this current? Because it might not be. Right. Dragon Age has uh, occasionally, and I think it's a strength of the series that they have not been like nailed to the, uh, to their, to their canon, that they are willing to adjust it a little bit as time goes on to better fit the story that they, well, that they now I, want to tell yeah. or to uh, add well, more I, mystery. I think that there's um, most, uh, I think, you know, novels sometimes can be very canonically strict, but I think that with more interactive or different types of media, it's really useful and necessary to change uh, things up because particularly with video games where you're interacting, you know, it's, there's a, there's a lot closer player dynamic with a, with a designer than there is with say a novelist and a reader. And, you know, there's a lot more pushback. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. if, the novel, if, if somebody reads a book and they didn't like a line or they thought a, a plot development was not so great, I mean, you'll probably hear about it, but it won't. But there's not it's not going to it's not necessarily going to affect someone's experience as a reader nearly as much as, you know, a gameplay element that just is going to be sort of always there whenever you log on or get ready to play. And, and I, gotcha, and I yeah. think that, that now I think that with all that said, once any media gets big enough or involved enough, then, you know, things start to matter a lot. And we see this with Star Wars and we see this with comic books, Marvel and DC, and we see this with, you know, various things where once things have gotten, you know, you get enough creators and enough things and everybody's got their favorite. Um, If, you know, as Dragon Age continues to go on, if we ever get to like Dragon Age 10, there's going to be people who are going to have very, very strong opinions about like, you know, what was the best game and what was the best era. And people still, people have that now, but, you know, if you, expand beyond it you know if, if it ever grows to be you know if maybe if they you know oh we're doing a new game on the other the other side of the world it's not even going to be Thetis, but it's going to be in the same world i mean i'm not saying that they will no one's told me anything so please don't take that it's no no one, no one, no one this but but it, but it you didn't hear this but, here first first they, folks but if the, if there was to be done of course that would grow the whole thing you know um, and like at one sure. point there was a rumor floating around which turned out to be completely bogus that somehow Mass Effect and Dragon Age were going to be tied together and you know then eventually, eventually <laughs> that became I think it was before one of those was out and um, or, or and they said oh this right. can be tied together and then they said no it's not it's just two, other than it's two studios doing RPGs they're different so right fair enough so, uh, mentioning, of course, this uh, wonderful IP that we all know and love, Dragon Age, we've got a couple of the faces of Dragon Age coming out in this new book, Faces, faces of Thetis, uh, eventually, Thetis? yes. Uh, so, can you tell us a little uh, bit about this Faces of Thetis is sort of a who's who, and it is designed, um, it's presenting uh, characters and also organizations that are important in, in Thetis, and it, um, the idea is sort of to create, one of the things that's really about the Dragon Age video game series and also the comics and also the novels that are make it so interesting. And I think it's one of the reasons why people enjoy it so much is that there are all these wonderful characters to interact with. It's not just your character, but it's also all these other characters. And unlike Mm -hmm. a lot of other fantasy settings, um, though like certain fantasy settings, I think you can say this about Lord of the Rings and some other things. um, Sure. Interacting with those characters is a really, really important part of making it feel like you know it, you can't just go kill the monster 
and have it feel really feel like Dragon Age. You want to interact with those characters. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, GMs and players are going to have their own, you know, characters and their backgrounds and NPCs, but there also are in the established setting there are important characters, and it makes sense that you would run into them, that you would encounter them. And so, thanks mm-hmm. to say this is sort of a who's who of not. Not an, not exhaustive because it couldn't be. I mean, there's no way of making a, a book. That, but, oh, of course. Uh, but making yeah. a mix of characters who are fan favorites, characters who are companions in the series, so players know them very well, and also some characters that just really are great at generating plots. Um, and some of those are, mm-hmm. are villains, and some of those are heroes, and some of those are sort of support characters. And what we do with Faces of Thetis is we write a stat block for them, Then we all, but more importantly, we give their history – we give some notes on how to play them. Uh, depending on the, the size of the entry, not every entry is created equal. Some have larger, more involved entries. Some characters have a smaller entry. We also might give some mm-hmm. discussion on using the character as sort of a romantic option or a sort of a, a close friend or ally to a, to a character in a game, um, how, to, mm-hmm. how to sort of advance them, uh, because everybody's sort of presented mechanically as, as a snapshot. Uh, you know, and yes. as a result, so there, there'll be... A, I, there'll be discussion of like well what if we're running a what if all my characters are 18th level and you know you've got this like level 10 ogren care you know stat block but what if i want ogren to be like one of my a companion in my group well that doesn't really you know he's just going to be constantly in trouble well we talk about how you would advance and change the characters and not just mechanically but also how they might you know change i mean and there are obviously characters in the series that change immensely alistair is a good example of this uh, and, sure. Oh, my sweet husband. Yep. And uh, and uh, and also the thing with characters like that is sometimes they do change in different ways based on how the games were played. And so we do as much as possible try to discuss variants if they do exist. Uh, and not everybody will gotcha. have a variant, but some of them will. And um, mm-hmm. and then for organizations, you know, it's also kind of a similar idea of here are the organizations that come up in the, the world. Here are the organizations your player characters might join. There's organizations that they might oppose. Um, you know, it's everything from you know the the Carta to the you know the various indigenous warriors over in like fighting against like Deventer and such. And you know some and and it's and the, again they're not all created equal. I mean there are you know there's a lot more information in the Dragon Age you know universe on the Antivan Crows for example than there are about sort of the the Fog Warrior guys who, over there who, who I think are mentioned in like who mostly are known through the Iron Bowman talking about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Fenris mentions yeah. him a couple times, but I, I think Fenris yeah. and, and and Bull are the two guys. And there's and there I think that and I think there's been a couple like a, a story or two or a comic that shows them. And again, that's all canon, but we don't have it, you know. But it's it's not the same as you know hanging out with Dorian for an entire game. So obviously, certain characters get a little bit more you know uh, involvement. In that. Yeah, some of it's more tell than show, but but you know, someone like Dorian, we're we're shown what it's like to oh, meet Dorian. The other thing Faces of Thetis has, and I should point this out because it's a book on characters. We thought that would be a good place to put our optional, as in you don't have to use it, but I I am a big fan of them. Rules for relationships. Yeah, and it, is this the one that comes from Blue uh, Rose? Well, interestingly enough, it came from Dragon Age, and then it got adapted and put in Blue Rose. Right, and now it's going to come out in Dragon Age as it was originally intended to do. It just it, because of the release dates being swapped on those two uh, products, we we ended up. I, I designed them. In fact, actually, the relationship rules were the second. Uh, Dragon Age rules I designed when I came on the product. The first were the organization, the organizational right. rules, and the third. Uh, in, in the third box set and in the Dragon Age core were the first like rules that I took and designed com- like completely on my own. Um, and then nice. relationship rules were the second or third. Um, and I'm not counting things like specializations and things like that because I was definitely doing you know, monsters and specializations too. But with regards mm-hmm. to like totally new, you know, here's a whole, here's a totally new subsystem you can use if you want. Um, those are my, those are mine. And, that, and, and that's, you know, that's also a necessity because when you already have, you know, Chris Premis had already designed the game, you know, and, and we already had Dragon Age as a, a but and it was complete. But at the same time, we also wanted more stuff. And so when we started talking about what could we have, you know, I started looking at, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I started looking at what I li- liked in the game and saw if there were a way to model it. And I actually like I liked mm-hmm. in like for example, um, 
oh, what was it? Now I'm, I'm having a moment. It was, was it Awakening? The, 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 the Origins DLC? The expansion? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, the I, yeah Awakening. Awakening. I liked uh, being able to like run my own keep and my own little organization. I thought that was fun. That's what I was yeah. Yeah, putting that in there for organization. And also hearing in advance that, like, and this was way early on. Oh, yeah, in Inquisition, you're going to get to run the new Inquisition. And that's all we literally knew about it at the time. And I had, I had heard that from a, from a Mike Laidlaw and Ben Galenius over at Bioware. And they were still in early development of Inquisition at that time. But they did tell me, oh, we, you are going to run an organization. I said, well, then we should have organizational rules in the book. And it was mm-hmm. – and, and that was back before. I mean, I, that was literally – I knew a title, and I knew it had something to do with the Inquisition. But I said – and, right. um, and then relationships was again. It's obvious you look at the you look at the games and the relationships and developing relationships. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, we can have. I don't want it to take the place of role playing, but we can use it to supplement. And that's the same thing we do with Blue Rose because I'm a big fan of the heroic. You know, I was a I'm a classic film buff among all my other interests, and I'm a big fan of the old sort of swashbuckling, you know, motivational elements of the old heroic adventure stories where someone is like, you know, it seems like people are more competent and fight harder and are, you know, more engaged when they're trying to save their best friend or when they're trying to like, you know, save their lover or something from a, or, or trying to like totally. fight that villain that they've just sworn vengeance against. And so I kind of, yeah, well, that's like the best stuff right. though. That's always yeah. the best and, stuff. And, and so I wanted to sort of allow for some mechanical support for that without, you know, drowning all ability to role play. And so that's what we did with the, the relationship roles. And, and again, they're in blue, they're in blue rose. They're also in, um, Dragon Age, and now with the Fantasy Age companion, they're in Fantasy. They're in they're in the in Fantasy Age as well. And um, I know yeah. I know one or two people have said, "Well, you're just redoing the same rules." I said, "Well, yeah, but you know we have three distinct flavors of age, and they all what need they all merit that this is at least an optional system." Um, so, and, and of course, some folks. Then, of course, if we didn't put it in, it, you'd be that you'd be like, "Why didn't you put this and, in? Why can't and, we?" And, 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 and the reality is, in that particular one, is that there's not too much alteration that needs to be done. But there are actually mm-hmm. are there are definitely some of those conversions that we do where you know because there are slightly different stats. Fantasy Age uses a slightly different stat block distribution that um, than Dragon Age does. And so, and and then you know, Blue Rose uses does weapon and equipment slightly differently, and like each mm-hmm. each version of the game is slightly tweaked to do something. Um, and I've and I've actually been, uh, and that's and Modern Age is going to do the same thing. And I've actually I, I'm pitching an idea for a, a whole new age game that's yet again going to take it and going to go completely different. Uh, uh, the expanse, the right. expanse is also going to be doing different. I'm actually hoping to steal an idea from Steve Kenson's Expanse work because it's been fantastic. nice. But um, well, that's an exciting concept. The idea that there's another thing coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a uh, there's all sorts of age uh, related content coming out. So it's really um, there's a lot of a lot of fun stuff. We're gonna have an, uh, the expanse uh, series of novels is gonna have an RPG from us. Um, Lazarus, the Greg Rucka comic, is gonna be done, uh, and that's gonna use a ver- version of Modern Age, which of course Modern Age is coming out. Um, and then you know, we've talked about potentially doing like a sci-fi version of, uh, of age at some point too, but that's a little farther out. Um, but it's something, mm-hmm. but it's something we've talked about. It's on our radar. It's not something that, you know, so, so there is a decent chance that somewhere in the future, there may be sort of a fantasy modern and, you know, space sci-fi versions of the space, um, space age. age. Yeah. Space age. I, 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 uh, I think I'm the only one who really wants to do espionage. Um, mostly, and, and it originally started out as a joke, and the more I, the more I thought about it, oh my god, yeah, the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, that would actually be hilarious. Um, Dang, yeah. I like that. Um, and that, so, so I might pitch that as like a a source book for modern age. Be like, hey, let's, let's, all right, let's, yeah, no, let's totally, spy, totally. Let's do a spy source book, and and uh, oh, that would be great. Steve Kenzen, I think, like the agency. That was what he liked, and, and we so we have the 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 warring pun, uh, the warring pun discussion of which one we like <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's it sounds like it would be a pun, and it would be that sort of nineteen uh, twenties film noir detective yeah. espionage right. stuff. And I am on board for both of those things really hard. A, so this yeah. is just really cool. I'm a big I'm a big fan of pulp uh, adventure and stuff. In fact, actually, among my tons of projects I'm working on uh, for Cortex uh, Prime, uh, Cam Banks's version of the sort of Margaret Weiss uh, Cortex sy- uh, system that was out used in Firefly and Marvel Heroic. I'm doing a pulp a modern pulp game 
like a night, like, like basically taking, uh, like setting it in modern day. But the idea would be that you play the descendants of, uh, and proteges of pulp characters and that you establish how the, your world has changed. And so instead of it being like a modern, our, our modern day, it's a modern day that there was this divergent point and things changed over time. And in the process of defining what changed, you create your character. So instead of playing like the shadow, you play like the shadow's grandson or something, you know, or or, as an example would be. The shadow? Hmm. (laughs) Um, So I had a very self-serving question because, uh, you know. Because reasons. (laughs) Because reasons. Uh, Can can we we hear the strength score of Fenris? Um, (laughs) You know, I actually have to double check and make sure Fenris got into the book. Um, And I know that's probably not going to be what you wanted to hear. Um, No. Um, but I'm not. Oh. I'm not positive he did. I'm not positive he didn't. Um, I don't have the uh, the because because unfortunately there were some characters that just didn't make it and um, unsubscribed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna podcast. you're gonna give Ren a case of the vapors. Uh, I I'm just, I know he's gonna get. To, um, I'm, I'm actually trying to see if I can find my list because I because I um I had um yeah there were a couple characters I wanted to to, to work in there and I was just like no I mean at one point I even had a mm-hmm. at one point I even had a. Uh, a, 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 an entry for the warden and hawk and not nice. doing, and not doing stats because that would be ridiculous because you're going to make your own yeah. character right. i wondered how you do that but writing about what you know a primer sort of why they were important and what they did and i found out one there was space issues and the other thing was it was so hard to pin down anything like it became a, it's it, true. It sounded like a wonderful idea to write this sort of, you know, open concept and pin down the commonalities and then sort of talk about the variations. But I, you know, there. I, but when I started to get into it, I said, you know what, this is a lot of time and a lot of energy being used, and I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure we can sneak in a couple other characters. Yeah. And I and I think at the end of the day, it was like, you know, we we had some characters that made it in. Um, the other thing too with certain characters, like Fenris is a probably good example of this, and I can't find my list, but I and I can't remember if he's in or not. Um, but there were characters that were really cool that we didn't put in because their stories were largely focused and self-contained in the games and stuff so okay. they appeared. And Fenris mm-hmm. was an example. I think my, if he if he didn't make it in was an example of that. Where I thought he was a really cool, really cool character. But Fenris has his own very distinctive story. Now that said, I think Fenris, I think Fenris may actually be in there, but I don't, and I don't, but I don't remember. But but if he didn't make it in, um, that would be why. And for example, there were um, certain certain companions, you know, didn't um, make it in. I'm, I'm trying to remember which, and, and certain ones did. And there were even companions where people are like, you know, how can you have like Nathaniel Howe in here and not have this guy? And I'm like, well, because he's got a he's got a lot of stuff that. Mm-hmm. You've gotcha. got, got, got a lot of plots he generates. That is you know? true. And, That's and, a good point. And, there'll, and there'll, be a, there'll be times where people would talk about, uh, for example, uh, Lambert Reeves is an example of character in there. Okay. And, and people are like, well, why do you have him? And I said, because he's, one, he's a great villain that doesn't get used that much. And he generates a lot of plot. He does. Um, you know, they're, like the, the Divine is in there. And it's like, do you need stats in the Divine? No, you don't need stats in the Divine. But, we, but, but part of it, we talk about how she impacts and what she does mm-hmm. and you know why it's important and then you know we also try to do um you know josephine is another good example and i mean um or is josephine is that her? i'm trying to remember i always get her and her sister confused which one's which josie right um josephine is uh is in there and she was one of we tried to get a few inquisition characters in there mm-hmm. but again we were working you know early on with uh with you know inquisition we started on this book before inquisition was coming out so um I want, and so I, I went back and we went back and sort of added some characters uh, once it because it was still being worked on when Inquisition did come out. Gotcha. Um, and then there were characters, you know, there were just, and, and also there were just, you know, characters that people really loved and wanted to put in there. That they would have um, stormed the gates yeah. if they weren't included. Like, there's no, there's no way we weren't finding space for Iron Bull. Oh, and there, were, there was no way we weren't finding space for Krem in the chart. Oh, thank goodness! I've been thinking it yeah. this whole time. <laughs> and there was no like there are characters like that that were like as soon as like okay clearly they're in there, and that meant that you know so it meant that there were some other characters that we didn't quite get to to fit in, um, you know and and that was and it was a shame because I would have loved to have you know made it like this huge you know book but that was also another thing is when we pitch books to Bioware we have to pitch the size and they they are and they don't 
care too much, but they are generally invested in, you know, they have to review everything. Mm -hmm. And so when, so when they went, so, you know, I think, I think, and I might be just projecting, maybe it was something, maybe it was a vibe I got, but I I think I may have actually had an actual conversation with one of the guys at BioWare where they said, could the next book not be quite as big as this? (laughs) Fair. Because it was just so huge, and we were like, okay, well, we'll make the next one, you know, more modest sized. Mm-hmm. And that was always our intention, but we 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 were a little more concerned about it because you don't want to give them, you know, oh, here's a you know three hundred some page rule book with all the stuff, and sure, most of this is stuff you looked at, but here's all this new information and all this new stuff we did. Yeah, so you I'm have sure to. They'd love could you, that. Could you be cool with that? Yeah, and then, oh, and by the you know, and so now, oh, by the way, here's our next book, which is now all of your characters. <laughs> and I mean, I just and they, they just would have. I mean, I, I would have just the people would have showed up at my house with baseball bats. So <laughs> I, I think, but um, but but so, but a lot of what faces was about like this balance of fan favorites and characters that generate really interesting plots, and also you know, like and, and then some characters that I just thought you know were were were, were neat. Like uh, Cole's, because <gasps> I like because I like Cole, Cole and I thought he was an interesting character. character. And, and I thought he was an interesting character, and I thought he was an interesting character that didn't um, that his story sort of provided an interesting insight into how certain things can be. Um, um, Michelle is another guy that I really wanted in there. The one, um, and and he's you know he's mostly in a novel. Yes. I mean, he is he is an inquisition, but 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 what makes him interesting is the story in his novel. And I found a writer who had read the novel and was willing to like really really like the character. And I said, make me this sort of you know romantic cavalier paladin guy. He's great, and I and I I think he's interesting. And I want to see you know I want him to be in the in the book, and I also want it to be something that we can look at, like how those characters were interesting. And that was also trying to expand on our way. Gotcha. Because. Another thing. So yeah, so so we it, it's a balancing act. You know, there's there's things you want to put in that you can't make that you can't, and there's things you want to put in. I mean, I mean there I, there was a, when we were working on DC Adventures is a great example of this. There were you know that book that those two the heroes and villains of those two are filled with literally hundreds of DC characters, and there were still literally hundreds that couldn't. That make is them. true. There yeah. there's a lot that we had there. And why? And you when you're sitting there going, you know what about this character? And it's like, it's like, we, we can't fit it. We'll have to put him in a later book or, or not. So um, I apologize to anyone here. My dog going crazy. That's okay. We had cat uh, problems earlier today. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's a puppy. So Aww. she's decided that dad, 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 dad shouldn't be doing something else. So, oh, I, I understand gotcha. that. Well, uh, do you have, do you have the strength uh, she, stats for bull? Oh, <laughs> uh, they're, they're they're high, right. but yes, I actually. That's all I need to know. Uh, I can, I can yeah, um, they're, they're they're definitely high. Let me let me check. Actually, let me check Bolt because I because he's a favorite, and I don't mind. I don't mind doing right. a preview Sweet. on, uh, on Bolt. Oh, super excited. I just have to open up open up my uh, mm-hmm. my computer here for a second. So, so that is fine up. by us. Um, well, uh, while you're doing that, we could ask, what would you like to do next for Dragon Age? Uh, what I would like to do, but of course, I'll just all depends on approval. And of course, now I just talked about I just talked about how you know big books are you know the thing that they're like a little they're a little harder sell. I would love to do sort of an Age of Inquisition. Uh, I would just like to do a book that just brings things up to the up to date. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. And I mean, not not you know not a particular you know deep not not a particular deep dive into any one thing um but kind of like i'd like a chapter on all those different dragon breeds i'd like um i'd like to you know take the elements of things and put them in um because i just think that would be like i think that'd be cool and i think it would be fun and it would be and i'm actually kind of a i I, as i'm and i and not everybody feels this way as i'm getting older i'm liking the idea of these sort of, of 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 sort of having I'm trying to put the best way to explain this because it's kind of a, I don't want to seem like I'm being dismissive of like deep background because I love that too. I am a big fan of uh, books that you can hand to somebody and say, read this and you'll be, you'll have a really, really, really great idea of what we're doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just one book. You know, it's not necessarily, Oh, let me read this monster book. And then let me read this, you know, this book on each one of these nations. And let me read this book. I mean, and again, I think there is definitely a place for all this. Oh yeah. But I'm a, 
big fan of being able to hand at least to, especially to the casual player and say, hey, you know, you're here because you like Dragon Age or you're here because you thought this this sounded like fun. And you're like, hey, what's a, what's this world like? Because I've only played a couple of the games and I'm just not, you know, or whatever. And you can say, well, here, read this, you know, read this chapter or read this section. And this is what you need to know about your character. And I thought, and I think having sort of something like an Age of Inquisition or Inquisition era would be a good example of you, know, you could hand that to somebody and say, "Well, I'm playing a dwarf in this region. Well, here's what you need to know about what's going on with the dwarves." All right. I like that. You know, and, and and I think that would be be really useful. And then at that point, you know, once that once you had something like that, you can start to look about where you want to kind of dive deep. Um, but that's you know that's I think sometimes you need to check that out first uh oh so anyway uh iron bull strength is uh seven. Oh, oh man, man. Well, yeah that's a case of the vapors that is yeah. a case of the vapors yeah we uh we we were we were talking about like so we we tried not to do too many over five and six stats but there were times when it was like yeah i i don't know how i mean he's a he's a pretty i mean honestly he's, he's a pretty beefy character he's um He's, he's probably, if I was being honest, I probably may have gone a bit far with him. But he's, uh, but I don't think anybody. I was just about to say, I think I no one is going to be mad at you if you buff up uh, Iron Bull. I think everyone will be very okay with that. And he's we all, he, also there is a Ben Hazroth uh, Ben Hazroth um, background included as well. Ooh, whoa, cool! That's going to be. A We've fan. been wondering be about a that. Yes, uh, that is it. So that because obviously there are the various Quinari backgrounds, mm-hmm. and uh, Battle Roth is going to be one of the ones that'll be included. So we will have uh, so folks who want to play their own you know, version of Iron Bulls and have that ability. Um, but yeah, and then we also have uh, like I said the Krem and the Charges get their own entry. Um, yes. Krem gets a lot more you know talk than the Charges because some of the Charges literally we just don't know that much about them. Not gonna lie, um, I have a bit of a crush on Krem, so. Oh, happy yeah, to hear them, that. One of them, the only line of dialogue is, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, and it was interesting because you know, I, I, my, my writer was working on it. He's like, and I gave him word counts for each, you know, section. I said, you know, and he's he looked a couple of those. He came back and he said, "There's literally nothing to say about this guy except for this and this." And I'm like, "Okay, you know, this <laughs> is really good. Mm. talk more about talk more about the guys you know about, you know, because and and you might in a in a, in a different game you might not do that, but in a, in a licensed game, it's like the last thing I want to do is, you know." make up a bunch of stuff exactly. and then find out and then Bioware goes where did you come up with this and i'm like i just you know out of my butt because that was where <laughs> that is never a good answer that's never a good and no 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 licensor wants to hear that from fair enough all right um so can touch a little bit on what uh you've done besides dragon age uh, we've already talked a little bit about it yes so we've got uh, a bit of a picture for the Dragon Age side of things, but there's a lot of other age stuff that goes on with Green Running yeah, and, and with you. So, um, and so we, we kind of heard a little bit about what you were doing with age already. Um, and I've got a couple of things that I saw were coming down the line. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the Campaign Builder's Guide? I can, actually. The Campaign Builder's Guide is going to be a uh, kind of a, I mean, a, I, I don't want to say a, a GM's guide because I think that there's, because that's partially what it is but it's not going to have a lot of but a lot of times gm's guides have a lot of rules and this is not this is more about like an actual guide and the idea behind this would be that there's a lot that goes into running a game and to building a campaign Mm -hmm. and we, we are seeing a lot of newer players and a lot of newer gms but we're also seeing that even experienced gms always love to hear you know, advice and, and, and how to put things forward. And so what we, so the campaign builder's guide breaks down the various elements of campaign building. And it then has a section on advice and discussion about what this even means. But then it also goes into how to do that for age and then ends with a dedicated example. So, for example, you might have encounter design. It talks about balancing encounters and how to design interesting entertaining and challenging encounters within the age system um and then there'll be an encounter that's been designed you know that shows you this is how this works in practice um now some of these are going to be a little crunchy and some of these are otherwise for example in the monster design section you're going to get new monsters because that's what we're going to be doing we're going to be talking about how to design a monster that's not unbalanced that works that's interesting and then you know the that process will be used to create some new monsters that can be used. Very nice. um, uh, I'm going to be writing a chapter on genre, uh, 
and I'm going to pick one of the subgenres of fantasy, and I'm going to put together optional rules that will allow you to run. Like, um, I'm, I'm currently leaning towards dark fantasy horror, but I might do something else. And, you know, the idea of things like, well, here's here's a sanity system you can use. Yeah, that's gonna suggest you gotta have a sanity yeah. system. That sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, here, you know, here's a, you know, here's a, a fear-based, here's some fear-based mechanics that are, you know, that are that are compatible. If I were to doing like an epic uh, sort of exalted Godbound sort of crazy high fantasy, I might, what I might do instead is, you know, take the, uh, the minion rules and, and some of the other sort of high-powered stuff we've already put in the Fantasy Age Companion and dial that up to 11. And be like, here's how you fight a whole unit of guys. Yeah. Because you're playing the you know, demigod. And the idea would be to, in addition to introducing all these concepts, would be to go through and pick, you know, because because the reality is you can't, unfortunately, as much as I'd love to, you can't actually go through and say, well, here's, you know, here's a hundred examples. Of right. But what I want to do, but what I want to do is make sure that in each part, there's guidance. Because one of the things that, there's a strength of age that can sometimes become its weakness. Age is very easy to work with. It's very easy to hack. It's very easy to play around with. It's very easy to adapt. However, there's a lot of people who are asking, well, what if I do this? Does this break this? We see a lot of that here. You know, is, this, is, yeah, is this power, is this strength too high for this creature? Is this damage too high? If I make the health this much or the damage this much, what does that have to do? You know, how many of these creatures should I put up against a group this size? Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, even things like, you know, well, what's a good reward to give somebody? Like, I want to design a magical item, but I want it to be really cool, but I don't want it to completely overpower so that it's my, my character feels like he's a, he's a, a, a caddy for this magical yeah. item. Um, and, and so the idea would be to go through these elements in, in a campaign and build that up. Um, and sort of then present it for folks to, to be sort of a guide. It, it was sort of envisioned to be the sort of last book you need to run Fantasy right. Age. Um, every, I mean, obviously we're going to continue, and I don't mean that to say that the line's ending, quite the contrary, but um, we, there was a really good review of Fantasy Age a while ago that said, you know, somebody reviewed the basic core book, and then he had said, well, you know, and, and the bestiary. And they had said, um, you know, with these two and then the companion coming out, the only other thing I'd really like to see is something that would really help GMs put together campaigns and run things. And it was funny because I was working on an outline for that idea when it said that, and it kind of prompted me to go, right, that's that's what people want that. And this guy was a reviewer who was an experienced gamer. So it wasn't – so I wasn't worried that I was making some sort of beginner's guide. It was that I was like, okay – and and also the, the the crew I've got is is fantastic. I, I'm go, I'm really I'm getting some I've got some folks uh, uh, Matt Miller and Jamie Wood who both worked on a bunch of game, uh, Dragon Age and uh, Age stuff. Uh, Walt uh, Sinaski, I'm going to completely mangle his last name, but he's worked on a ton of stuff all over the gaming industry. Uh, he's going to be doing stuff on campaign building and uh, campaign concepts, um, which he is uh, just a wonderful at. Um, uh, Rachel Cruz, who's worked on, on Modiphius a bunch, is going to do, from a bunch of Modiphius stuff, is going to be talking about how to design your own religions and gods and goddesses. Uh, and she actually just wrapped gotcha. up doing that for the Conan RPG. So, you know, so it's kind of like going out there and getting folks to help us, you know, put things together. And, you know, the idea I, I envision it as a, as a guidebook, and I don't necessarily think that each person will use each chapter equally well. But I, I think there's going to be something in there for people that are going to, you know, you're going to want it. And maybe you don't need it. Maybe you don't need a particular chapter at a particular time. But at some point in your campaign, you're going to come back and go, I really need to look at that. You know, think about high level play now that we're all 16th level. Gotcha. You know, and, and, he goes, and how to make that challenging and interesting. But I didn't really care about it when, we, when my players were all third. That is you know, I was a lot more concerned about it. But I don't really need to look back at encounter designs now that I've been running, you know, 16 levels of encounters. I pretty much have got it down now. You know, and so that's kind of the idea. Oh, the other thing, too, because who doesn't love a bunch of random tables? Oh, yeah. uh, we're putting a bunch of random tables to help generate sort of sort of that targeted creativity that I think is very useful. So um, there's going to be stuff about like, hey, I need a, you know, a cult on the fly or I need to generate this in in this town or whatever. Okay. So that's also going to be in the back, which, which also serves as sort of a campaign. Nice. You probably still use this for Dragon Age, everybody, you know. Just saying. Yeah, a lot of that a lot of that will probably be very, very compatible for Dragon Age. Yeah. 
Uh, and, and honestly, I, in Titan's Grave and anything else, I, I would even say, though I think there is going to be a similar product eventually done for Modern Age, I mean, the adv- some of the advice is going to be pretty general. And pro- even with the diff- slight differences in mechanics, um, a lot of it will probably be useful. And, and I also kind of did want a book that you know might even be useful for outside of the age system. Because a lot, because some of that advice will be yeah, general. Will totally. Work. Those are always very valuable books. So, uh, yeah, so that's Campaign Builder's Guide and Heartbeat. Oh, and I will give you a teaser. Oh, well, thank you. We love those. Uh, the, 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 next, the next book after that is going to be a book about um, sort of boss monsters and larger, like, layer-type, like, Ooh. mastermind type things. And there's going to be uh, – so it's not going to be a pure a beast here because we've already got one of those. But it is going to be, um, you know, kind of ready-made, uh, here's a threat, here's a bad guy, you know, here's some minions, and, you know, go. here's a, And, and it's going to be uh, a mixture of classic and right. completely new stuff. So, you know, for, for, so there's going to be like, oh, it's, you know, a, you know the, the giant's den, you know, but there's going to be like evil circus, you know, so it's going to be kind All of right. a, a different mixture of – different things and um, the idea is uh, again trying to come up with things that are going to be useful for folks and then we also have and I, I mentioned this on the forums at one point we have started early development on a setting book for right. like a setting for fantasy age because as much as because fantasy age has settings you know and that has, that, that blue roses is, is uses mm-hmm. uh, an altered version of it titan's grave is uh, also but um but fantasy age doesn't have technically its own fantasy age setting um and so we're gonna, we're talking about doing that and i'm looking uh i've been working with james gates uh, a bunch on it who is um our nasaba press uh, chief editor and has also um you know we've been talking a lot about what we would like to see in a fantasy age a, fa- a fantasy setting what we think is great and the stuff that we do and kind of go from there so so that will be that will be coming out as well at some point. Um, so there's, also, there's a bunch of stuff planned for the future. So we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Um, one last thing that we want to ask about, sure. um, because and I don't know how useful it would be to folks to Dragon Age because it'll probably be more based on Fantasy Age, but because a lot of it can have you know a lot of useful bleed over, uh, there is going to be a uh, community creator program for Fantasy Age, kind of like how Dungeons and Dragons has the DMs Guild and uh, uh, Monty Cook's Games has the Cipher Creator pr- uh, program, things like that. Um, is there anything you can tell us about uh, that? I mean, I, I, other than that, we're doing it. Um, I know it's currently. Okay. Um, I know it's currently being worked on. I know that you know. I've seen some mock-ups for logos and trade dress and all that. Um, there's been some. Uh, I know the the guidelines are being worked on. Um, I, I I know that the general idea is that at least early on, I think that the, the thought is we want people to get their content out there. We want them to be able to sell it if they want within reason. Um, but we also want to have some control over what it is because we want to still be doing our own stuff. And um, so I think it's, I think it's early on. I think it's focused mostly on a lot of adventure content and shorter content. Okay. Um, but I don't know the exact guidelines on that, but I know that that's been discussed. Um, okay. But I also know that, though, know that we're not really – we're interested in looking what people are doing because we want to see what people are doing and we want to see if maybe there are some things that we like and maybe there are some creators that we want to reach out to and see if they want to you know, work with them and, and other things. We're not really interested in sitting there and micromanaging. And I, and so as a result, you know, it's, we want to have clear, concise guidelines for everybody to work with and have fun with. Um, we've also seen that that's just what works the best. That's what, you know, fate does that. That's largely what Monty Cook and all these other folks, you know, that you mentioned do. And generally, you know, what we found is having that out there, it worked pretty well for Superpowered for Mutant Masterminds. Um, in fact, actually, Superpowered for Mutant Masterminds got some absolutely phenomenal third-party content that I, I, that I honestly don't think it's enough credit um, because there's some stuff out there that is just, you know, I know that I know that at Green Run and we talk about it and we say repeatedly, like, wow, this stuff is, did you see the source book that this company put out or whatever? And it's like, this stuff is just amazing. And um, and I'm and we're we're confident and hoping we're going to see that with fantasy age too. You know, once right. we get there's going to be like you know whether it's one guy doing you know really cool monsters or whatever you know that he thinks are fun, or maybe a group of people doing like a, a set a source book or adventures. I mean, we'd love to see adventure content because I mean I I think you need, um you know it's it's so useful and also with minor alterations you know 
Fantasy Age Adventures can work for Dragon Age. They can work for Blue Rose. Yeah. Um, you might have to change the stats slightly for Dragon Age to Fantasy Age. Mm-hmm. But, um, but otherwise, there's just a lot. I mean, it's, you know, so much of it, so much of that work, though, can already be used and converted. And then I've, and I mean, and I've, you know, can used adventures for completely different game systems before. So, you know, it's, so if something's a similar game system, it's even easier to work with. Yeah, fair enough. I might I might already be writing a setting in mind and might be considering already uh, and I might already have an adventure written that I'm testing and going to bring to Gen That Con may already be a thing. Put on later. <laughs> Excellent. It may already be really good. Oh, well, thank you. Well, all the all the reviews you've been getting have been raved from the people who have been testing it, so That's great. That is great. Not so, that you've ever gotten anything slightly but self-serving rave question, but you know. <laughs> No, no, but hey, it's and it's and it's definitely a good question because I, I I have people asking. Like I said, I I don't have the you know I'm not the uh, I'm not the final word on when mm-hmm. that rolls out, but I do know it's been discussed. Gotcha. And I uh, and I'm and I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the idea because I want to see. I I like to see you know people do stuff and have fun with it. And I think if you put a lot of time and effort into something, and you should be allowed to get it out there and see if people want to want to pick it mm-hmm. up because I think that that's I think that you know we you know there's a lot of you know everybody's. You know, there are, you know, there are industry professionals and there are amateurs and there are all gradations in between. But at the end of the day, we're also all fans and it would be nice to see everybody, you know, so I, I like to see people do well. So, mm-hmm. All right. Well, it sounds like your uh, your puppy wants you to go. Yes, she really, really does. <laughs> well, uh, we've already kept you here for an hour, one. so we probably don't want to keep you too much longer. No, this yeah. is fun though, and if you, you ever want to come back, so I'd be happy to come back if you ever have any other questions. Oh for man, anything, I so. like I feel like I would just love to talk about, especially we get. I want to get into some Blue Rose stuff eventually, and just even if it's just gushing about how cool the stuff is for Blue Rose, like that would be a fun conversation well, to have. I was the assistant developer on Blue Rose, so uh, Steve was the was the developer, and so so he and I were the. Uh, were the uh, were the were the two big developers on that? So we uh, so we uh, I did uh, and he he did more, but I did a lot of work on that, and uh, including a lot of the stuff with the new uh, the changes to the setting and the mm-hmm. new bad guys and some of that stuff. Yeah, so, well, it's all fantastic. I'd love to talk Blue Rose and social justice with you sometime because I feel like we'll have matching opinions I'll on a lot of things. <laughs> they go together surprisingly right. well. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us. This is this has been a blast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We had a great time. Well, we would definitely love to have you on again some other time. Uh, I suppose we'll keep you on the line, and we'll just we'll we'll contact you again sometime. We'll get it sorted. We'll make it happen. Fantastic. All right, cool. Well, thank you again for your time. And uh, should we do our outro? I guess, or is this too special an episode for? No, this isn't too special an episode. You know, it's, it's our it's our second podcast birthday so episode. So, um, this is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. And this is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy feels. And uh, if you we, if you we didn't <laughs> tell Jack, I, I didn't I didn't really. But uh, <laughs> he's cool enough. He doesn't have to have a tagline at the end. It's okay. Exactly. But if you ever do think of one, we can always put it on our, you know, we can always put it on our show notes, Denzel. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll. I'm not sure <laughs> if I have one anymore. It's like, like I get, I'm, I'm old. It's just like oh, I'm gonna go take a nap. No, but um, <laughs> I'm gonna go take a nap is like my favorite actual real life pun, like tagline. That's a tagline that I can personally relate to. It's depending on how my day is going. It's I'm going to go take a nap or I'm going to go get a drink. And it just depends on how my day is going. Uh, <laughs> so true. Fair enough. Oh, well, I should probably, I need to run and get run and see what the, what's going on with the puppy here and make sure that she's not completely lost her mind. Uh, but it was, right. it, was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. If you guys, uh, you know, want to, want to have one about Blue Rose or just anything in general, just, uh, you know, all right. Well, thank you so much. Do. You no have a good, whatever comes next for you. And we'll cool. do that too. You guys have a good, uh, good evening, weekend, etc. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Talk All right. to you later. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.